0: Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Amen. It's good to be with you today. Uh, what an incredible um, time that we've had for the past couple of days. I think we've eaten in every restaurant in Miami, and our ministry is expanding, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, let me take just a minute and uh, say thank you to Pastor Joaquin and Miss Yvette. Thank you for hosting us and for me, as I spoke with Pastor today, it, it's really enlightening just to get to know you and your family. And so uh, we feel like we know them a lot better, and we're going to get to know you a lot better as well. I hope you're not bored today. Yeah, and if you, if you say amen every once in a while, I'll preach a lot faster. How about that? Amen. All right, good stuff. Can I introduce my family today? Yeah? Why don't you give them a hand clap? Come on up, Rose and Dane. Bring that little microphone there, Dane. Bring that microphone. I brought Dane. He got, to, he got to get out of school, so he was happier than he looks now when I got him out of school. Dane is my 14-year-old, and I've got a um, 17. Is that right? What do we have together? A 17, and we have a 25. I know, I know we don't look like that. But we have a 25 and a daughter-in-law, and we're very proud of our family, and uh, they're all uh, doing very well in Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. We're on the west side. Our church is called Powerhouse uh, Church, and we are 50% Hispanic. Come on, that's a great place. I need my drummer again for a drum roll or something when I say that. The, the good news is, and then we're another 25% African American. Yes. Yay. And then I think I'm, I'm the minority, and as the only gringo in the place, you know, that's what I am. So, no, we, we've got a really diverse congregation, and we like it that way, because we think God is into variety, amen? And I think he made us that way. So we've got some really neat things that are going on there. I'll say this, we, we've had a church, uh, 16 years old now. Uh, and we're somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 members, but half of those are men. So anytime you walk into the congregation, which we hope you do, it's very strong in the men. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. You know his books, and you, you know Jack King. And he was our first mentor before Brother Larry and Miss Melanie are now. When he passed away two years later, Larry Stockstill called me on the phone and said, I think we have something in common. Would you consider being our representative over the state of Texas? So that's what we do for Bethany, and we, we're happy to do that. But now we get to maybe help with Miami just a little bit. Yeah, with Florida as well, too. So relationship is really where it is. It's not about boundaries. Amen. It's not about geography. It's about relationship. So, Ms. Rose, you've been with me for 16 years we started the church from scratch, nobody, nowhere, nothing, and today God's blessed us, and we've come through some things, and we hope we can give those away. Won't you just greet the people for a minute?
0: Actually, I've been with him for 26 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've
1: been with me. yeah,
0: <laughs> 26 yeah. years. Uh, two years before that, uh, courting, but um, and, and uh, pastoring for 16 years. In pastoring, Haiti. yeah. Yes. So anyway, um, she keeps me it's, straight. It's good to meet you. It's it's really good to meet you. I was actually reading in Titus the other day, and uh, Paul is instructing his spiritual son Titus, and he says this to him. He said, let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. And, and that's, that's kind of who we are. Yeah, We want our life and everything that we do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of what we teach on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's not just on Sunday morning for a few hours. And, and I want to encourage you to let everything that you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of what you're learning. Amen? Amen. We, we tell the church all the time, uh, especially our new members that come in, is that when God called us to Katy to start a church in Katy, He didn't call us to be celebrities in that city. He called us to be servants, right. to be shepherds. And what you see is what you get. We're shepherds, and we love the sheep, and sometimes we have to spank the sheep, Uh-oh. and sometimes we have to correct the sheep, but we love the sheep, and sure we love minute. what we're doing. Sure and um, and it's a blessing because we see that lo- the Lord is moving us in, a, in, a, in a, a different direction. We're still pastoring, but he's moving us in a different direction, and now we're not just pastoring the sheep, we're pastoring pastors and, and so we have a group of about seven pastors, uh, couples that we are uh, uh, discipling, mentoring, available for them, and um, we're excited about that. Amen. We love that,
1: and we're excited to be with you today. We are. Spring of life. It's Good to meet you. Amen. Dane, did you want to preach a little bit? No. Okay. Give my family a hand clap. Thank you so much, guys. Love you. Dane, would you go get me a copy of one of those books and see if that, that's over there? We were able to, to meet uh, Nick and Josh and Brandon and Christina, and um, the pastors made them go out to eat with us so they could be nice to us, and we appreciate you guys wherever you are. If you're in here, are you in here somewhere? I see one, two in the back. You make them three. Awesome. Awesome. Great. And then where's Christina? Sunday school. Is she teaching in there? She's in there. Okay. She's learning. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, we, we, uh, uh, let me get some stuff out of the way. We, we brought a few books. We just came out with a new book, and it's called Take Your Place. Now, I'm not a book salesman. I'm a minister. But what I found out is there's no way in the next 20, 30 minutes to communicate everything that I've seen uh, over my 52 years. So we wrote it in a book. We wrote this book 10 years ago, and it was about my life with Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. And then he passed away 10 years ago, and somebody said, you've got to rewrite that because tell what's going on now. What's the fruit of that life? How many know that God wants us to have fruit? Yeah, and fruit that remains. So really, you know, the fruit of your life is what are you doing now? And so we took a few extra chapters and we added to it, so maybe you've never read it before, but it's got pictures in it, so guys, you're really going to like it. (laughs) I need my drum roll up here. Where's my guy? It's got some pictures, some big print. come on, and, and, and uh, it's really good good read on it, and lots of pictures of us when we were younger, but we were also able to show, in the last one called "The Magnificent Adventure," all the things that I believe uh, happen when you are able to do what Pastor was talking about to be able to come up under a spiritual father. Now I know in the past some of that, you know that word has gotten some bad news, but really it's not the, it's not the word, it's what's been done with it. How many of you have good doctors? You have bad doctors. You have good preachers? Come on. Yeah, you have good dads, you have bad. You have every, everybody has good and bad. But really, that doesn't disqualify the principle. The principle is we should have spiritual fathers. Paul said you have not many fathers. You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And you see, as a, as a football coach and a track coach, that's what I was before I was a a minister. Uh, I would coach you in a season. So if you were a football player, I'd coach you for 10 weeks, and then it would be on to baseball or whatever else you play. But a father coaches for life. Do you understand the difference? I'm not just going to coach you this year. I'm thinking about my advice to you for life and how you can use these things. And that's what we need as fathers. Coaches are good, but we need fathers. You have not many fathers. So uh, how many of know that ladies need fathers as well? Not just men. We, we, we have a fatherless society. And, and we know the ramifications of the fatherless society, which you know in this church well because that's what you, your pastors teach, is, is that our whole society is fatherless, which has turned our society into a matriarchal society. Oh no, it is true. It's, it's true in our presidency, it's true all the way down. You can spot a man that was raised up by, by mama, not because mom was wrong, but because dad left. Y'all going to help me preach today, or is this something you've never heard before? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Preach it, brother. Yes, thank you. Um, and, and so we need to understand that 75% of every male behind bars today came from a fatherless home. 80% of every rape happens because the male was raised without a father. Do you want to stop rape? Add a father. Are y'all getting this? We can fix this thing. But a father is mature. He's a male that's mature. The definition of a boy is an immature male. A mature male is like a father. What is maturity? It doesn't come with age. It comes with what? The acceptance of responsibility. Say that with me. The acceptance of responsibility. So if I'm going to uh, uh, have a child, I need to be around to raise him. I want mature males. And our society has immature males And they were raised up because their fathers probably ran away as well. So this is not something new. It's just something that's compounded, and it won't get any better until we raise up fathers. Are you with me? So we need them in our families. We need them in our schools. We need them everywhere. Because those are the responsible males that our society needs. And without them, we'll continue to make decisions that are not balanced and that's not where we need to be. So anyway, this, uh, this book is for you. We brought just a few of them, and that's all we did. That's, we didn't bring any tapes, any, we don't tapes. We didn't bring any CDs, we didn't bring any audios, any DVDs, and all that stuff. We just brought this thing, because I think this is what I want to deposit to you, is my life under submission to Evan Lewis Cole, how he saved my marriage. Are you with me? How that happened, how that worked. Get a hold of that, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. And I'll I'll sign them for you if you'd like. But we just have a few of those. Now I want to talk to you in, out of Genesis chapter twelve. If you have your Bibles, that's right near the front. <laughs> Genesis chapter twelve. How many of you know that we're our church as well? We're getting so good at putting scriptures on the screen that we don't sometimes bring our Bibles. <laughs> well, come on, you know what I'm talking about. And we need to bring our Bibles, because you can't write on our screen, nor can you take the screen home with you. You need to bring your Bible, I and mean, it's okay to write in your Bible, because you want to go home and study these things out. You're just going to get the nuggets today, but you need to go home and study these things out. Now, now this is a, a, a message I want to talk to you about today that is so powerful, I, I want you to get the root of it and study it out and chew it. We're going to be talking about spiritual fathers, and what does that mean, and what is the benefit because God has a plan. How many know this is not my plan? Amen. I'm going to give you scripture and this is God's plan. I'm just going to lay it out there for you. And I want you to see where you may be. And maybe, maybe you have this revelation. And that's wonderful. But that, now it's time for you to go teach it. How many know? A lot of people say, well, I've heard that before. Well, are you teaching it? If you're not teaching it, what good does it do for you to hear it? So let's, let's get it written down. Because if you don't write it down, you don't plan to use it. If you're not planning on using it, you're wasting oxygen today. Let's use what we learn. Amen? Amen. Now, in the past two days, as I said, I've been spending with Pastor Joaquin and Miss Yvette, and and we've been taking mental notes and been listening to what's in their heart and said, Lord, show me what you want me to say, because this is not a canned sermon. This is for you. This is for your church. And if you're going to move forward, which you are, you need to hear from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, You can go on iTunes to get a canned sermon. You need something for you today, and so I I, I do have some thoughts and places I am, and I think that's why God put us together, but I want, I've been praying that God would give this to me. I think this is going to be good for you. I won't preach this back in powerhouse. This is for you, spring of life. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Genesis 12, verse 2. Pastor, can I have one of these little Zephyr, Zephyr hills? I can have that. Holy water. Genesis 12, 2. Why don't we stand and read this today? Because it's, uh, it's the Word of God. And, and how many know that Jesus is the Word? Amen. And he's our commander-in-chief. He's the captain of our salvation. So anytime a captain or an officer walks in the room, what do we do? We stand to attention, right? And so uh, that's, that's what we do. And we read the Word out loud. How about that? Can we do that? Can we read it out loud together? Because my Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by The word of God. So when we say it and we hear it, guess what happens? Faith cometh. And with faith, everything is possible. Amen? So so I want you to get some faith to receive this, because if you don't have faith to receive it, you'll never act on it. And faith without works is is dead. So we don't want to waste our time today, right? We only have 24 hours today. So let's read this. I want you to read Genesis 12, 2, 3, and then I want you to jump down to 18 two and three and jump down to 18. Now the whole thing's good. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. But for time's sake, we're going to do it like this. Okay. You're going to read with me. Ready? Begin. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. Stop right there. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. He's talking to us. Hallelujah. Say, he's talking to, me. he's talking to me. Do you understand? That's what God expe- expects is to bless you for everybody else. Amen. Amen. God bless me so I can bless you so you can bless those folks. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Say, I am, I am. The, blessing. the blessing. See, God sees you as the blessing. He didn't give you Jesus to just keep him and do nothing with. He gave you Jesus so you could give Jesus away. And when you meet him at that day, he'll say, well done, hopefully, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord, right? Why? Because he's going to first ask you, what have you done with my son? What did you do with my son? He wants us to be the blessing. Now go to verse 18 and we'll read that one. I'll let you be seated. Verse 18, out loud. Ready? Begin. Pharaoh called Abram and said,
2: what is this you have done
1: to me? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think I have messed up totally. Am I in the right place? Let's go back to verse 3. Because that was totally ridiculous right there. What, 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 why, why did I have you all do that? You did it right, I did it wrong. Genesis twenty two eighteen says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis twenty two eighteen says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Want to read it? Begin. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Why will your children bless the world? Because you've obeyed God's voice. What happens if we don't obey God's voice? Doesn't work, right? You've got to go backwards. Then our seed won't. But if we do obey his voice. So whatever you hear today, you must act immediately because if you don't use it, you you lose it. You've heard that, right? It works in the world. It works in the word. So we want to get something today. So what have we learned? Number one, that God's going to make us great. We can't make our own self great. That's called pride and arrogance. Somebody help me a little bit. And I will bless thee. Who's going to bless us? God said, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. See, quit trying to make your own name great. He said, I will make it great. Why? For him to get the glory. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Look, this is a promise that you have. And you need to understand, this is a pattern and principle that God works off of. Yeah? You may be seated today. Are you excited? Come on, say, I am. I am. The blessing. the blessing. All right, I want you to start thinking that. Not, that's not a prideful thing. That's what God said. I said, that's what God said. Amen. I am the blessing. i, I tell you, uh, uh, I want you to start signing your letters, I am the blessing. That'll mess with people, won't it? Put, you, put on your emails, I am the blessing. Well, what are you talking about? We'll just take them back to the scripture. Genesis 12, God said, I am the blessing. Many people don't believe that they're the blessing, so they don't do anything to bless other people. You and I should be looking for ways to be a blessing because you have such good pastors, such a great church, and you've learned so much. You ought to be preaching on the street. Come on. You ought to be doing cooking classes. You ought to be doing these things, serving people. What is your gift? I don't know, but you need to get it out there. It is the blessing. Now, I want to take you to 1 Chronicles 13. I wanted to set the foundation with the blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. Yes? Yes? Now, in 1 Chronicles, he, it goes back in the Old Testament and he gives you an illustration. How many of you remember of King David? Yeah? Don't you like King David? He was never ashamed to dance in front of anybody. He was a worshiper, right? He was a man after God's own heart. You've read that about David, right? Well, in this particular area, David was a man doing great things for God. But he needed a dad. I want to show you something. David was the blessing. He was a a king that loved God. Yes? Yes. And as he went forward, the Israelis began to prosper. The Jewish people began to prosper. The Hebrews prospered as they followed God's blessing, David. Yes? But something else was given to David. It was called the ark. How many remember the Ark of the Covenant? Come on, and inside it were uh, uh, the elements of the blessing of God, right? You all all remember that, right? A little bowl of manna. Yeah? Did you know that was in the Ark? A little bowl of manna that that was still like that. I mean, it was still like whatever manna is. It was like that. It was uh, bread in a bowl that never went bad like all the other manna did. Why? Because the ark was supernatural. Are y'all in Chronicles? Come on. First Chronicles 13.9 He says, but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the ox stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. Come on, you know the story, right? And then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and he struck him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. That's interesting. That always made me wonder. That didn't seem to be right, did it? Good man trying to do a good thing. I sound pretty Texan right now, don't I? (laughs) Trying to do a good thing for God, and he just wanted, he didn't want that ark to fall. The ark was a box. Everybody know what the ark is? Anybody watch Indiana Jones? That's the ark. That's the ark. Yeah, it's got two angels on the top of it, and you lift up, the presence of God comes, and look out, if you're, if you're for him, it's a good thing. If you're not for him, it's crispy critters, you know what I mean? It's just over. The power of God, the presence of God was the ark, and we understand that every time David went to battle, guess what went before him? The ark. And when the ark of God was there, the presence of God was there, the blessing of God was there, David's enemies became defeated. They were defeated, and David won. Now we have a situation where the ark is supposed to be carried from place to place. Listen, stay with me, the blessing is to be carried from place to place. And God gave specific instructions on how to do that. And you know what David did? David said, oh, that doesn't really matter. The main thing is that we get this ark from point A to point B. See, everything with God matters. That's a good place to take a note. Every, he does not waste a syllable. Every word has its own meaning. And you need to study that word and understand it and get revelation on it. But the ark was created to be, to be carried by priests. People who are anointed and appointed by God. Very important. Why do you think that the enemy is trying to destroy the credibility of pastors? Y'all aren't following me, are you? A pastor is like a priest. And so they would take these long poles and they would put them on their shoulders and six or eight priests would carry the ark. David said, don't worry about that. Put it on a wagon with wooden wheels. And you carry it from point A to point B. David's administrative decision cost him the life of a soldier that did nothing wrong. Stay with me. What my, 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 my argument today for you, counselor, is that David missed it. How many know good people miss it? Amen. How many all of us miss it? Amen. How many know we need a father to look over our shoulder and go, hey, this is your blind spot and you're about to back into that car? Wait a minute, turn it back around. That's what a father really does. He doesn't always tell you what to do. He allows you to watch him do the right thing. And then come along behind him. See, David was a man after God's own heart. But what he did was he was missing it, like we all do, in this area. And he did not have a father to say, David, you're, you're messing up. God said, put it on the shoulders of the priest. Put the blessing on the shoulder of the priest. Put, put the presence on the shoulder of the priest. Why? Because God said, a long time ago, when I made Adam, I, I gave him shock absorbers in his knees. So whenever they're carrying it, whenever they hit a hole, they just come right back up. But when you put a man-made wheel on that hole, it's going to hit and you're going to dump the presence of God. Why? Because man-made things can't hold the anointing of God. Do you hear me? Man-made things can't hold it. It has to be in order. It has to be in order. Look what happened in the scripture. I I believe I can prove my point. Verse, verse 12, after Uzzah died, David was now afraid of God. That is not God's intention for people to be afraid of God. And he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Here's what he did. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom at Gath. So he took the presence of God and he stuck it in Obed-Edom's garage. You got it? And look what happened to Obed-Edom. The ark of God, verse 14, remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed, he blessed, he blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. Every, every place the presence of God is, the blessing happens. Amen. Say, I am. I am. The blessing. You've got to stay in the presence of God, which requires righteousness, doing things right. James 4.17 says, for you to know to do right and do wrong, it's sin. James 4.17 says, for a man to know to do right and do wrong, it is sin. What we've got to understand is David knew what to do, but he got lack. He got lazy. He, he, he just didn't think that that mattered anymore. Can I tell you that you being here today matters? Amen. Can I tell you that you worshiping God matters? Can I tell you that I know some of you didn't want to come this morning. That's okay. I understand that. But you, you overcame your will. You overcame your emotion. You, you put one leg on. Come on, in your pants. You got the other one in. And you said, I'm going to the house of God. Amen. All right? I'm not going to uh, uh, not be in the house of God today. And guess what? God's blessing you today. Amen. He's giving you something to say, I'm glad you're in the house with me today. Aren't you happy about that? Amen. Those are things we press through. Amen? We press through. <laughs> it blessed. The Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. God told David to handle the ark carefully. He said it's a blessing in your life. The ark is the presence of God. Just as, as you are when Christ really lives in you, you are the ark. You are the blessing. You are the carrier of the presence of God when you go to your school, when you go to your job, when you go to your family. Men, you are the carrier of the presence of God. That's why you cannot afford to go into your house and be all upset all the time because you confuse your wife and your children because they don't get it. How can the presence of God always be upset? Mm, I need my B3 player now. (laughs) David put the ark on an ox cart. He didn't do it. He told somebody else to do it. It hit a bump and it fell. Uzzah died. David became angry with God. It was David's fault. Why? Because he's the head. The buck stops here. Men, we're the head of our families. Yes or no? Yes, sir. And we must take accountability because maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with the acceptance of responsibility. Right? Mediocre men want authority without accountability. We're not mediocre. We're filled with the Spirit of God. So we want authority, but we want to have accountability. That's what's happening with this church. I am accountable. She is accountable to Larry and Melanie Stockstill. Why? Because we said yes to them. Why? Because we miss it sometimes. Come on, we do our best that we can, but we do like David, and we, we, we think we have a better way. We need somebody else to say, well, that's not really how you want to do it. Amen. And, and I want to tell you, there's countless times where my pastors have saved our life and saved our church. Why? Because they're 10 years ahead of us. And because God said, that's the man you need to be under. Amen? Amen? Amen. Somebody once said, if you want to be a good father, first you have to be a good son. That's right. How can you be a good father if you've never been a good son? Come on, ladies, you, you, you know that word submit, yes? Come on, that's like, like a dirty word in the Bible, isn't it? Come on. And that's the word our, our husbands know a lot. Come on, I am a husband, so I'm talking today. Yeah, well, here's the thing, guys. How in the world, just be, be with me for a minute, how in the world can we expect our little wife to submit to us if we're not submitted to somebody else? It's hypocrisy at its highest level, and guess what? She may never say a thing, but you know it, and she knows it. That's why, that's why we, it's so good for churches to submit as well. Are you with me? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. When we respect the gift, we respect the giver. When you honor the gift, you honor the giver. Handle God's blessing honorably. Being in the house of God. Did you know that where you're sitting today is like the Ark of the Covenant? This is the presence of God that you can bring your friends into, and they can feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that comes with it, and they can say, I'm not right with God. How do I get right with God? This is the house of God, the gateway or the window to heaven. That's what you have developed with your lifestyle and with your giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Are you here today? This is what you have have valued. This is how you handle the house of God. We came in last night, and we had the young people up here practicing for uh, young adult service and for this morning. Why? They were giving a sacrifice of their time to make sure that this experience today is what? Excellent. Are you with me? They're handling the ark of God right. They're handling it correctly. They're not putting it on the shelf and saying, we're just going to stick in a CD today. Come on, we're not going to just stick in the audio and y'all can deal with that. Doesn't matter anyway. Get out of here, go eat some chicken, and we're good. They didn't. They said, no, we want to give our best. And that's why God wants the ark to be carried on the shoulders of the anointed priests. Your pastor is the man and his wife is the woman that God planted the church with. Now, everybody had a part to do, but don't ever misunderstand who he is, or you'd be like David putting the presents on an ox cart. You say, well, that's just Joaquin. I've seen him since he was little. No, you're mistaken. From the moment that a man or a woman accepts the call, they accept so much that you may or may not ever understand until you honor them. Listen to me. I can say this now. That's why I need to be here because it's difficult for some man to stand up and say, "Look, y'all need to honor me." Yes or no? That's difficult. But biblically, this is what I've found. John Bevere told me that in, uh, in every church he's gone to, when he sees that, and to hear this, when he sees a church that honors the man and the woman that are leading them, he said, "All the business owners are blessed." No, he said, everybody gets, that runs for office gets, gets elected. He said, I, it's hard to explain, but he said, every other church I go to, where they try to keep the, the pastors po and proud. He said, nobody gets done anything done. They're all broke. Let me ask you a question. How do you want to be? How do you want to be? How do you want to carry the presence? Do you want to carry it correctly? I think, come on, I think we all do. Amen well here's the thing you're already doing it you're, you're already blessing your, your pastor you understand he tells me about how you honor him but I'm still bringing you to that point because it never hurts to be reminded yes why because you need to teach your children here's the thing how many of you want your children to honor you the bible says they get long life how many want your children to live long six of you do that's wonderful let me meet your children I'm not nine eight ten thank you very much for participating uh We all want our children to live a long, good life, right? The Bible says that they honor their mother and father. But it's hard for you to go, look, you need to honor me. And that sounds silly coming from you who wants to honor, right? But when you come to church, what does your pastor teach? Honor your mother and father. So when you handle the church right, when you handle the presence right, guess what? God blesses your children around the backside. You see how that works? And then they live a long, good life because they fear the Lord and the, th- the words of God keep them in the right path out of the ditches on either side. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen. Your pastor represents the Ark of the Covenant just like your church does. Every church that honors its pastors has healthy members, businesses, athletes, students, etc. Your mentor or your leader is the blessing. It's important. How many have heard of the story of the golden goose? Yeah? The golden goose would lay a golden egg. And because people didn't understand the value of the egg, they killed the goose and ate the goose for Thanksgiving or whatever. Are you with me? No more goose? (laughs) Nice. Time for an altar call. When I had Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole in my life, just like I have um, Brother Larry right now, I found that it was to my advantage to make sure he had everything he needed so he wasn't worried about material things that he could focus on on me, on correcting me, on guiding me, on guarding me, on governing me. So he was the golden goose. Are you with me? And when my wife and I saw him after his wife passed away, he, was, he just didn't look like anybody was really taking care of him. And I'm not trying to slam anybody. I'm just saying, as far as I was concerned, this man changed my life. And without him, I wouldn't be married. And without him, we wouldn't have a church. And, you know, I know because he spoke into my life. And sometimes it wasn't all that great. I mean, it was like, you need to, you need to get right, boy. You know, I mean, it was tough. There are some things that fathers speak that are difficult. Yes or no? And that's, that's the area that he taught me. And not all of it was that way. A lot of it was very good. And he was, I mean, I wanted his affirmation. I wanted his confirmation as a minister. And he gave it. But he, but he fathered me. And so what we did was we rallied about, uh, and this, is in, uh, this story is in the book. And it's got pictures of it. We rallied a bunch of past, about 30 pastors in Houston. We invited him to come speak to us. Over 2,000 men showed up in our church that seats 1,000. Yeah, you figure that one out. It was something, putting them upstairs and all around, and, and it was the great, one of the greatest days, wasn't it? And when he came in and he preached, we presented him with the first year they ever came out with the SUV Lexuses, well, I don't, well, RX, is that what they're called? And so he didn't even know what that key looked, you know, the key's a little different on Lexus. He looked at it and he goes, what is this? he was just in the middle of preaching and everything. And we said, well, these 30 pastors and I went together and paid it off. And it's brand new. Drive it up. So we drove it right up to the church, right in the front door there. And he got in it and just, he, he said, I've never in my life received anything close to this. I said, what? I mean, that's my hero. And so for me, the blessing was every time he got in that car, guess who he was thinking about? I said, I want you praying for me. Now, I didn't do that on purpose, you understand? I just loved him, and I thought what he was driving was broken down, and I wanted to bless him because too many people try to get the blessing from daddy, but they never return the blessing. Dr. Cole said this, he said, said, uh, man was uh, made in God's image, and since that time, uh, he's been trying to return the favor, trying to put God in his image. We, 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 we've got to realize something. is To be mature, we've got to begin to look up and say, how can we help these people do what they're doing so we can embrace their spirit so that when they're gone, we can continue on. I have a quick video, uh, guys, in, in the back. And how many of you remember The Preacher's Wife? You remember that show? Anybody watch that with Denzel Washington? I want you to watch how he handles this. And Denzel is like trying to make some trouble here for The Preacher. And I want you to notice how the preacher's community responds. And I think that's how we should respond as they have a culture of loyalty about our church. We're not the only church, but we are a church. Amen. Go ahead and run that, guys. Just a short video. Uh, you uh, you know Reverend Big? Sure, from St. Metz. Yeah, hey, that's the one. Stubborn, isn't he? Kind of short with people, too, didn't you notice? This man right here. not that I know him that well. I'm just He came to the hospital every day after my wife's surgery. Every day. He baptized all five of my kids, all five of them. Yeah. Give me this. Wait, don't. Get Wait, on out. No, of here. I didn't mean it. Get on out of here. I just Get on out of
0: here.
1: God. You better go get on out of here. And don't come back. <laughs> I just like that thing. I don't know. I just... We have to establish a culture of loyalty and honor so that the, the, the ark can be carried correctly. For as long as your pastor and his wife and their family are secure, they will be a blessing to you. And we've got to get this American mentality out of our mind. Yes or no? Come on, it's, a, it's an established, an entitlement mentality. And I, I go all over the world and I see it every place I go. And guys, we've got to grow up and begin to take care of the gift of God. Now, I know you do, but this is a message every church needs to hear. Um, One of my friends was telling me about the culture in Asia, in uh, China, specifically in Japan, where the parents put the children through college, and then the children come back, and they take care of the parents. You ever heard of that? In other words, there is no retirement plan. There is no uh, Social Security in China. The Social Security is the children, and they honor the parents. And it's expected that the parents give up their life to put the children in college, and they come back, and they take care of the parents. And it's a disgrace if you do not, if your parents are not taken care of. How many say we would, that would be a great thing for us as Americans? Come on, amen, to honor your mother and father. Yeah. My mother passed away last year, and uh, I was able to take her uh, about six months, wasn't it, before she passed away to, on, a, on just her and I driving up into the hill country of Missouri and just a place she wanted to go and just spend that time with her. And, you know, I think that there's a place where we, we have, we've gotten off track. Again, I don't know that about your church, but I'm just speaking about people in general. And if we're going to restore America, we have to start by honoring those who have gone before us. Amen? I want to read you something as I close, and this is it today. Um, your pastor's different. Difference good. There's more than one type of Toyota. Come on, but they're all good. They serve different purposes. And one of the things is that you need to realize that you're different. Not everybody in here is the same. Aren't you glad about that? Everybody has different gifts. But in the body, there's five gifts of leadership. Anybody know what they are? Found the book of Ephesians. You want to try? Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. Have you heard that? It's a five-fold giftings, and those are giftings that God gives to the leadership. And you may have one or not. May pray about that. As as an apostolic arm of that, that's what happens when we're able to come in and support your pastor. Does everybody understand that? Please, please look at me. I'm not here to be the, the jefe. I'm not here to be the boss. That is not me. We're here to serve. Look at it. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so if you don't become bigger and badder and better than anything that we've ever done, I'm, I'm not successful. So the only reason we're here is to give you everything that we've ever done that's worked and everything that didn't work will tell you what not to do so that you can win. Does that make sense? That's, that's what servants do. We're not here to run anything. We're here to support your pastors and keep that ark in front of you so that you win every single time and teach you what we've learned. I think if you're smart, you'll, you'll listen to that. But a few years ago, I ran across a book that I keep going back and reading. It's all dog-eared and... Everything is a book by Leonard Ravenhill. Anybody ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill? Well, you should write that name down. and Because he had a spirit much like your pastor. Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill. And a spirit like mine. Or I, we have a spirit like him. Because he was older and he's passed away now. But he was a great minister. Great minister. How many of have ever heard of A.W. Tozer? Okay. Uh, A.W. Tozer was friends with Leonard Ravenhill. And when Leonard Ravenhill was going to write a book, and here's the book, it's called Why Revival Tarries. It's an incredible book because I've been asking that question. How about you? It's kind of like, where are you, Lord? (laughs) It's time. And Why Revival tarries will line up with where you are as a church because this church is not like the other church in town. Let me say it again. Don't judge your church against somebody else. You're not doing the same thing, and you're not called to do the same thing. This is not a building just to, to pack people in that need a place to go and get their box checked on Sunday morning. This is a building that's serious about the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And, and that's what God's given you. That's why you like it. And so let me, let me help you out with something else. That will not, this message will not necessarily explode you overnight with people. But the people that come will have more effect and more impact than people that come just to check their box off. Our church is similar. Are you with me? But as a pastor, I want to tell you about your pastor. We're challenged all the time because we want to win. We want to be the best. We have A-type personalities. You understand that term? We want to win for the kingdom of God. Are you with me? That's why God picks people like us. Because we're driven and we keep going, and no matter what they say, no matter who comes or who goes, we're going to keep going. You know that. You know that about your pastors, right? That's the kind of uh, that the first church was. But whenever Tozer wrote this about Ravenhill, I said I've never read anything like that. To me, this explains me and explains your pastor. And I think that's why God's putting us together. Can I read this and close? Are you ready? It's pretty powerful. Great industrial concerns, this is A.W. Tozer writing about Ravenhill. Great industrial concerns have in their employee, men who are needed only when there's a breakdown somewhere. Call them the specialist. When something goes wrong with the machinery, these men spring into action to locate and remove the trouble and get the machinery rolling again. I'm there, man. For these men, a smoothly operating system has no interest. They are specialists concerned with trouble and how to find and correct it. In the kingdom of God, these things are not too different. God has always had his specialists whose chief concern has been the moral breakdown, the decline in the spiritual health of the nation or of the church. Pastor, am I hitting it home yet? Such men were like Elijah, Jeremiah, Malachi, and others of their kind who appeared at critical moments in history to reprove, rebuke, and exhort in the name of God and righteousness. A thousand or ten thousand ordinary priests or pastors or teachers could labor quietly on almost unnoticed while the spiritual life of Israel or the church was normal. But let the people of God go astray from the path of truth, and immediately the specialists appeared almost out of nowhere. His instinct for trouble brought him to the help of the Lord and of Israel. Such a man was likely to be drastic, listen to this, radical, possibly at times violent, and the curious crowd that gathered to watch him work soon branded him as extreme, fanatical, or even negative. I'm talking about Elijah? Come on, our Bible heroes, Yeah. And in a sense, they were right, Tozer writes. He was single-minded, severe, fearless, and these are the qualities that the circumstances demanded. He shocked some, frightened others, and alienated not a few. But he knew who had called him and what he was sent to do. His ministry was geared to the emergency, and that fact marked him out as as different as a man apart. To such men as this, the church owes a debt too heavy to pay. Think about it. How many of you would want to go to bed at night knowing you had to say some stuff that had to be said? You had to say it at the courthouse. You had to say it. And you knew people might get upset. But if you didn't say it, nothing would ever be done. the curious thing about the church is that she seldom tries to pay him while he lives but the next generation builds his sepulcher and writes his biography as if it instinctively and awkwardly to discharge an obligation the previous generation to a large extent ignored my hope is that I can help this young man and his young wife that we can help them. Carry the presence in all terrains and they can reach the goal that God's given to them. And by so doing, be a blessing to you. Amen? Thank you very much. You've been a blessing to us. It's great to be with you today. Pastor Joaquin, thank you. Thank you.
2: One of the principles the Bible teaches is you will have leaders according to your heart. And I thank God for Rose and Pastor G.F. Because, uh, again, they're a gift to us. And I want us now to receive them, like it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. The Bible says like this, he who receives you receives me. And he says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive that prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives a cup to one of these little ones, he says, in the name of being a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And pastor, we want to receive you as an overseer, as a pastor of this work. Uh, we respect you. We have seen your passion and your character and your seriousness for the things of God. We met five years ago, <clears throat> and we have kept in touch. We have visited. We have talked on the uh, phone every Wednesday. We have a gathering with pastor. He speaks into our life. He prays for us. He's concerned for us, and it's a good thing. And I, again, I considered it a gift back in April, but I asked the church now, um let's receive them as men and women of god who uh you know as, as soon as this happened in april i i just like i went like because now a, a, a certain part of the responsibility and the the weight of what happens here is on other shoulders also ours also but but some some with more experience And so um, we're going to ask you to stand forward here. This is not a call to the church, but to you guys. We want to receive your family and your ministry. And you guys go ahead and turn around, face the congregation. You guys receive them as spiritual leaders over this house and that their mantle might rest in this place. And the Bible says that the blessing of God flows from the head down. And so, Father, we pray for Pastor G.F. and Rose and their family. We thank you for them, O God. They've been faithful, Lord. You said that no man takes upon himself this honor. He gives himself wholly to God, and then you give them to us as a, as a gift, O God. And we pray as we receive this man, of God, and his wife and his ministry, and we serve them, O God, to make sure that they're able to be successful, Lord, that we would be part of their success and influence in the nations, O God, that you would just use them mightily, O God, and that we might serve, love them, and Father God, honor them, honor their word, their example, that we would, the word honor means to give weight to what they say, Lord. We receive them as a gift to this local body in Miami, Spring of Life Fellowship, oh God. And we pray, Father God, that they would find in us a refreshing, uh, a place of... Of harvest Lord for what they have sown into the body of Christ all over the world that this would be a resting place and a refuge and a place of strengthening and affirmation and encouragement for them oh God that they have been faithful and their work Lord uh, will reflect oh God they're, they're serving you with all deliberate passion and we bless them oh God and receive them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen and Amen and Amen Hallelujah Let's we'll sing to the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to live
0: my hands.